All right, well, how are we doing this morning? We're doing good. Thank you. I will make sure you guys all get to go to camp for free. Um, it's so good. No, I can't do that. I get in trouble for that. Uh, anyways, it's so good to be here with you. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is JJ, and I'm the student ministry director here. So if you've seen anything broken around Westside, and you're like, who do I email about it? Email me. All right, I'm, I'm always breaking something around here. Um, but we're, we're excited that you're joining us here, whether you're joining us online at our Speedway campus in our South Sanctuary or North Sanctuary. Um, how many of you, quick question, how many of you know, show of hands, participation, how many of you know what's happening in two weeks? Okay, great, 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 great. Um, now let's take it to the second part. How many of you know what's happening and yell it at me real quick? What's happening in two weeks? Okay, you're, you're, you're right, but we don't call it Easter here. We call it Resurrection Weekend um, because we have some stuff on Sunday or Saturday, Sunday. And so um, here's what I love about Resurrection Weekend. It is a perfect opportunity for you to take a next step in your relationship with Jesus. And there's three steps I just want you to be aware of today as we just enter in today. The first one is this, is if you're here and you've made the decision saying, hey, I have followed Jesus, I wanna encourage you to take the step to be baptized baptism is your next step of faith and obedience. And here's the great thing about baptism. Baptism doesn't save you, but baptism tells the world, I have decided to follow Jesus and I'm not turning back. That's what baptism is about. Second thing I want you to be aware of is if everyone, if you raised your hands, invited one person, we'd have to build a new church. So let's build a new church because we wanna invite and pack this place out with people that don't have a relationship with Jesus. In case you don't already know this, God is up to something here at Westside. He is doing something in our midst. And when God's doing something, we invite people in to what he is doing here. And so I'm believing that people are going to get saved on that weekend, resurrection weekend. So I wanna encourage you to invite someone with you. You can do that by going to our Facebook page and sharing the event, or we have a card that you can go out into the commons, looks like this, that you can pick up, because this is what I use, and just invite someone. Hey, I'd love for you to join me at Resurrection Weekend. Here's the times, because I can't remember all the times that we have. And so we encourage you to invite. Last but not least, when you have someone come over to your house, what do you do? You clean your house, you make sure that things look good and look nice. Why? Because you want it to be presentable to people, because you want to make an an impact in their life. You want them to have a good experience. Well, we want people to have a good experience on Resurrection Weekend. So I want to encourage you guys to do one more thing, and that's to serve. I fully believe that you're never more like Jesus than when you serve. And if the point of following Jesus is for us to become like him, not to become a better version of ourselves, but to become like him, then we should do the things that Jesus did, and that would be to serve. So I wanna encourage you to attend one and to serve one. And now I know I've given you a lot of information up front, so I'm gonna give you one place that you can go to to get all of this information, westsidefamily.church slash resurrection. Or you can text serve if you wanna serve, but you can also go to westsidefamily.church slash resurrection. Are you guys excited to open up God's word this morning? Yeah, listen, I know some of you were cheering way louder when KU won last night. Are you guys ready to jump into the word today? Awesome. Well, today we're in week six of a series where we're looking at the I am statements of Jesus. And, and I don't know about you, but I've been loving this series. I'm loving it for two reasons. First reason is, is that when we look at what Jesus says about himself, it actually helps us see Jesus for who he is. 
So this is why these I am statements are important is because it helps us see Jesus for who he is. And on top of that, it actually forces us to answer the most important question ever. And that is, who do you say that Jesus is? Because it doesn't matter what I say, who, who I say Jesus is. It doesn't matter who you or your friends or your family say. It's all that matters is who do you say that Jesus is? And so I'm excited to jump in today as we look at I am the way, the truth, and the life. But before we do that, I just wanna pray for us. Jesus, we are so thankful for your word. God, I realize that your word will not return void. God, I realize that nothing that I have to offer today um, will we'll do anything in anyone's life unless your Holy Spirit jumps into the heart. So Jesus, I just, I ask that I would get out of the way and let your Holy Spirit do his work. But God, I just pray, Lord, that your word would fall on good soil. Not that it would be choked out by anything else, but it'd fall on the good soil of our hearts so that it could grow. We thank you and we praise you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. So I was driving to a camp when I received a call from my wife and I was actually expecting this call from her and, because my daughter had her nine-month checkup. And so I'm, I'm expecting this call, but what I wasn't expecting was to hear what she was gonna say to me when I answered the phone. So I answered, I said, hey, hey, babe, how's everything going? And she is just crying. She's bawling her eyes out, and I'm like, oh my goodness, did I forget to do something? And, and, and so like, I'm thinking through, okay, yeah, I did that. Okay, 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 so I'm good. But I asked her, I was like, sweetie, What's going on? And she's like, well, the doctor was listening to Ella's heart, and as she was listening to Ella's heart, she heard this loud noise. And so we have to go get an echocardiogram on her heart in a few weeks because she either has a heart murmur or she's gonna have to have open heart surgery. And I heard that news, and if I'm just really honest with you today, my heart sank deep down into my stomach. And so I, I kind of play, played the brave face and I told her, I was like, hey baby, everything's gonna be okay. And we hung up. And so after we hung up, I pulled my phone out and I did what any good Christian would do in that moment. I searched Google. Like I jumped on Google and I was like, yes, because Google has all the answers. And I'm looking for comfort and so I'm, I'm looking to Google and I'm like, man, there's gotta be an answer out here. And, and there wasn't. I went to Google looking for comfort, looking for hope, but I wasn't met with hope or comfort. I was met with story after story that was scary and so scary, and it made my heart just become overwhelmed in the moment with uncertainty. And here's the reality. I, I, I knew the word of God. I knew what the word of God told me to do in that moment, but in that moment, I found myself so overwhelmed with the news that I just got that I didn't run to his word or run to his presence. I ran to a website, trying to find hope, trying to find healing. My heart was troubled. Have you ever found yourself in a moment like that? Have you ever found yourself in a moment where the only thing that was certain was uncertainty? My bet today, if I was a betting man, would be that you have, because if there was one word that I would use to describe the last two years of the world that we've been living in is this word uncertain. And, and here's what I know about you that you didn't know I knew about you, that you don't like uncertainty. You don't like uncertainty because it creates insecurity and fear. It causes us to worry, overreact, and ultimately it leads us to a place where our hearts experience trouble. But here's the good news for us today. If you're here and you're experiencing the effects of uncertainty, 
The Bible is not filled with these feel-good stories of a world that we don't live in. The Bible is actually filled with story after story, character after character who faced uncertainty. In fact, one of these moments happened in the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. Jesus is gathered in the upper room with his disciples and they're celebrating the Passover meal. And this, this meal was a meal that they celebrated God releasing them from Egyptian captivity. However, on this night, Jesus kind of drops a bomb on them in the middle, out of the middle of nowhere. And he tells them three things. The first thing that he tells his disciples is, is I'm leaving and you can't go with me. And not only that, but I'm gonna be betrayed by one of you. I'm gonna be beaten. I'm gonna be crucified. And then the last thing he says, he says, Peter, listen, I love you and I know that you say that you love me. But before the rooster crows, you're gonna deny me three times. I, 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 don't argue with me. I, I know that. And so in that moment, the disciples were filled with uncertainty because the only certain thing that they knew was gone. And now they had more questions than they had answers and their hearts were troubled. And so Jesus sees their hearts and he leans into them and he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. To which they're probably thinking in this moment, okay, Jesus, like, like do you really understand what we're going through? You probably don't. Like last time we checked, you're perfect. Like you're God in flesh. You, you are the Alpha and Omega. So you understand, but you don't get how we're feeling in this moment. You don't understand how our hearts are troubled because you've never experienced a troubled heart. But the reality is, is that Jesus had experienced a heart that was troubled. In fact, in John chapter 11, what we see is that Jesus delays for a few days. He hears that his friend Lazarus, his really good friend Lazarus, is sick and he's about to die. And instead of going right then, Jesus decides he's going to delay. And so when Jesus shows up on the scene, people are a mess. The sisters, they have questions, they have doubts. Like, Jesus, if you would have been here, like, you could have done something about this. And then Jesus in John 11, verse 33, he looks up, he sees Mary, he sees Martha, he sees the crowd, and they're just mourning. And, and what it tells us is that Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. So when Jesus tells the disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled, he says it from a place of empathy. He says it from a place of understanding because he had experienced what they are experiencing. And so I don't know what's troubling your heart today. I don't know if you're here today and you got some news from a doctor that you didn't know that you were going to get. I don't know if you're having financial problems because, because you lost your job and you've been trying to find a job and you're trying to get back into the game, but you can't seem to find any place to serve. I don't know if you're here today and you have a kid that grew up in church, went on mission trips, loved Jesus, but for some reason they're deciding to deconstruct their faith. I don't know if today you are in this place and you're in a crowd of people, but the only feeling that you feel is lonely because of the anxiety and the worries that continually plague your heart and your mind. I don't know what's troubling your heart, but here's what I do know. Jesus gets it because he experienced it. 
Like the writer of Hebrews tells us that we have a high priest, meaning Jesus, who is able to empathize with everything that we are going through because he experienced it. He experienced loneliness. He experienced being misunderstood. He experienced everything that we have in this world experienced, and he gets it. And so I think he leans into our hearts today, no matter if you're troubled, not troubled, but he leans into troubled hearts today, and he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. To which we ask the question, how? Like, how can I not let my heart be taken to a place where it's troubled? Well, Jesus gives us the answer in the second part of verse one. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, he's saying, you know how you trust in God? He's talking to them in this moment. He's saying, you know how you trust in the faithfulness of God? Because throughout all of your history, you've seen God be faithful after time and time again. Trust in God in that way. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in me. Trust in me because in about 24 hours, it's going to seem like God has lost all control, but he has never been more in control in a moment than that moment because it is his plan for me to go to the cross, to die on the cross for your sins, to pay the payment that you can not pay. And not only that, in three days later, I'm going to come back to life and I'm going to go and I'm going to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. So trust in me. Stop looking here and start looking here. Stop looking out at your problems and start looking at the God who says, man, those problems ain't nothing for me. That's what he's trying to get them to do. And he's saying, hey, listen, even when I leave, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna get you and I'm gonna take you with me. So trust in me like you trust in God. And here's the ultimate reason why we need to trust in Jesus. Because he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's so much controversy surrounding one verse. So many people are offended by this one verse. And here's the reason why. We live in a world that, that says there's gotta be more than one way to Jesus. And, and before we even point the finger, there's some of us here today that we, we were offended by that verse because we think, oh man, if I read the Bible enough, if I pray enough, if I come to church enough, if my kids go up through kids all the way through students and they stay intact with Jesus, then I'm gonna have a relationship with him. But we need to, as a church, stand on the word of God and we need to realize that there's not more than one way. There is only one way to have a relationship with God, and that is for you to put your faith, your hope, your trust, all of your life into the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what we're after. That's why those verses matter. So it doesn't matter how much controversy is happening in our world. What matters is what the word of God says. But hear me today. We tend to focus on the truth, and we should focus on the truth from this verse. And I think oftentimes we miss out on the comfort that Jesus is trying to provide. Remember, if you wanna you want understand the content of the Bible, you have to understand the context. The context of which Jesus is speaking the I am statement is in a context of, I'm trying to help you find peace. And so when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, he's saying it from a place of, hey, he sees your heart and it's troubled. Now let me provide comfort and peace for your hearts. Let me show you what I mean. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is the way because we all get lost. Jesus is the way because we, every single one of us in this place or online, we get lost. 
my, uh, my wife and I, uh, we, we had an opportunity recently to go to a wedding, kid-free. And all the parents said amen to that one, right? Because that is like amazing news when you get to go and you're like, oh man, like y'all wake me up at five o'clock in the morning every day and now I get to go not with you? Ooh, yeah, this is good. So we were, we were super excited to go to a wedding. And I was like, grandparents, you have them. We might not even be back for three days, all right? Like, we love y'all. And... And so we, we get in the car after we got ready to go to the wedding, and we're about like half a mile down the road. And my wife looks at me and she says, hey, do you know where you're going? I'm like, what? I'm a guy. Like I have like a map built into my heart and in my mind. Like you're asking me where? Like, come on, sweetie. Like I've been there a million times. And she's like, yeah, babe, but like you've never been there from my parents' house. I'm, I'm like, hold on a second, like before we go to marriage counseling, like we need to get something straight real quick for a second. And, and I'm not against marriage counseling, like just be, be real, but like I, I looked at it, I was like, all right, here's what I need you to do. I need you to sit back, relax, we're gonna get there, all right, enjoy the ride. And, and we, get, we get on the way and, and listen, you know how they say pride comes before the fall? Like, like dead serious, like straight up, that was me. Like I'm down the road and I'm like, uh-oh, I'm lost. Like, uh-oh, like something's wrong. And like I'm looking at my phone, I'm like, okay, what's the address? Like, and turning it down. So listen, I was wrong and I got lost. So how do we get lost? We get lost oftentimes when we think that our way is the right way. When we think, I know where I'm going, God, and you don't need to tell me how to do my marriage or you don't need to tell me how to do my finances, you don't need to get into this sector of life, we find ourselves in a place of lostness when we decide that, oh man, this is my way. The problem with that is that Solomon, one of the wisest men to have ever lived, he said, there is a way that appears right, but in the end it leads to death. In other words, th there might be a way that you're doing life that you think is right, but it's actually destroying your life. Like for some of you, it might be your pace. Like I'll be real, like that can be sometimes where I'm at, my pace can outpace God. So, sometimes for some of you, it may be uh, how you are just constantly having meeting after meeting after meeting and you're like, oh man, when am I ever gonna get home? For some of you, it might be the way that you're doing finances and you think, man, this is the right way to go. But what Solomon is saying is like, hey, that, that may seem right, but it's gonna end up costing you more than you could ever think, hope for, or imagine. Like some of you, the way that your pace is going, you're gonna end up burning out and you're gonna find yourself in a hospital because of your pace. Some of you, the way that you're doing your marriage is gonna end up in a place that it doesn't need to end up. Some of you, how you're working, and this isn't bad to work because I believe God is a God at work, but be the way that you're working is actually killing you, killing your family, and you're probably gonna end up in a place where your kids don't wanna have a relationship with you. I'm not saying that that's where you are, but there's sometimes we think that there is a way that we're doing it, that it's right, and so we push the gas pedal down and we keep going. And we find ourselves lost. But when Jesus comes in, he says, I'm the way. What he's saying is, I have a better way. In fact, I've heard it said that Jesus will make your life better and he'll make you better at life. He'll make your marriage better. He'll make the way that you're a boss better. He'll, he'll make you a better employee. He'll make you a better student. He'll make you better in all of these different ways. And his invitation to us is Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. 
verse 30, he says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is life. What Jesus is saying is, hey, stop trying to do life by yourself. And start doing life with me. Stop thinking that your way is, is the way because it's a way, not the way, and I'm the way. And his invitation is, is simple. Come to me. Learn from me. Are you, are you discouraged? Are you burned out? Are you tired today? Then come to Jesus to say, Jesus, listen, I'm lost and I need you. You're not too lost for him. He's not only the map, but he's also the guide that helps us get from where he wants us to go to where he is. That's how good he is. So you're not too lost for him today because of what's happening in your life. Come and learn the pace of grace. Yoke yourself up with Jesus. Do life with him because he is the way because we all get lost. Not only that, but Jesus is the truth because we all believe lies. And the reason why I know you believe lies is because I believe lies. I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but here's the reality. Like, I really know the, the Bible, all right? Like, I, I know it. Like, I've been to school. I got an undergrad. I've got a master's degree in the Bible, all right? Like, and I, my dad's a pastor, so that makes me even, like, crazier in the Bible. I know all the stories. But here's the reality. I can know the Bible, but at times when I find myself in situations, I can find myself believing the lies of this world. I could even get up here and preach to you today the promises of God and tell you every promise is yes in Jesus Christ. And I can believe that for you. But there's moments that I don't believe it for myself. So the reality is, is that Jesus is the truth because we all believe lies and I believe those lies too. And I think that the prophet Isaiah understood this. And so he tells us, in Isaiah 26, verse three, he says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Now, he, no, notice what he doesn't say here. He doesn't say you're gonna have perfect peace when your mind is fixed on CNN or Fox News. <laughs> he doesn't say that you're gonna have perfect peace when your mind is fixed on your 401k. He doesn't say you're gonna have perfect peace when your mind's fixed on the doctor's call that you just got. What he says is you will have perfect peace when you fix your mind on him, him being God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you pick one, like that's it. When your mind's fixed, to fix on means to lean on. Proverbs 3, 5, 6, you guys know this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Lean on him. So where is your mind leaned upon right now? Where, where is it fixed on? Is it on your financial troubles? Is it on the political division that's happening in the, our world? Is it on what could happen or doesn't gonna happen in our world? Or is it on that friend that you're like, man, like I just need to like unfollow you on Instagram. Like do it, please. Like it'll probably help your life out. What's your life, what's your mind fixed on? I think Isaiah gets that. He says, oh man, it's so easy for us to fix our, our minds on the lies. And that's why Paul tells us, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, and five, verse 10, chapter 10, verse five. He says, take every, I want you guys to say every with me. Take every 
thought captive. And who do we make it obedient to? Christ. Why? He's the truth. Why is it so important for us to take every thought captive? And when he says the word every, here's what he means. He means the good thoughts. He means the bad thoughts. He means the in-between thoughts. He means every thought that you have because sometimes we have good thoughts that need to be taken captive. And the reason why we need to take those thoughts captive has everything to do with the fact that either we take them captive or they take us captive. But the beauty of Jesus is that he's given us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit helps us to take those thoughts captive and who we make them obedient to, Jesus. And the reason why we make them obedient to Jesus has everything to do with the fact that he is the truth. He's the truth about who God is and he's the truth about who you are in him. So stop letting the world tell you who you are and start looking to Jesus to remind you who you are. How do we do this? We gotta filter our mind. And the good news, Paul gives us a filter. Philippians 4, verse eight, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He'd go on in verse nine and tell us, put these into practice because then the peace of God will be with you. Why do we need to filter our thoughts through that? We need to filter our thoughts through that because in John chapter eight, Jesus would tell us, he's speaking to the believers. He says, if you would remain, abide in my word, then you will know the truth who is Jesus and who's gonna set you free, Jesus. So why do we make our thoughts obedient to Jesus? Because Jesus is the only one that can set you free from your thoughts. But you're never going to be set free by him as long as you're not in his word. Open it up and filter those thoughts through that. Jesus is the truth because we all believe lies. And lastly, Jesus is the life because we're all dying. Not trying to freak anyone out. Nor am I a prophet. I'm like, oh man, y'all are gonna die. Like the reality is this. Unless Jesus comes back, we're gonna die. We're gonna experience death. But the good news is this, is because Jesus came back from the grave, it means that death doesn't have a hold on us. That's why Paul would say, death, where is your sting? It is, it, yeah, I could sting us here on this earth, but really when we die, we go into the grave, we get to go be with Jesus. I think that's why Paul would say to live is Christ. Like if I get to live today, it's, I get to live for Jesus. And if I die, yo, it's even better because I get to get Jesus. I get to be in his presence. So we don't have to fear death, and that's good news because like, there's some of us, again, like, I'm not trying to say this doctor thing over, but we got some news from the doctor, and the, and the good news is that there's a miracle that's gonna happen. It's either gonna happen on this earth or you're going to be set free from that thing in heaven. That's the hope that we have today. That's the good news. But I, I, I went on a bike ride yesterday, and... And I just, this is kind of what I do. And as I'm writing, I was talking to God about this message and he impressed something on my heart for this 930 service. And what he, what he told me to say is that, like there's, there's some of us here today, you're not, you may not be dying physically, but you might be stuck in this place where anxiety and worry and all this stuff is like overtaking your heart where you're feeling depressed and you are thinking about taking your life. And you're wondering like, like what's my life worth? 
Does anyone care that I have life? And I want, I, want to, I want you to hear me today. And I'm not trying to like manipulate anything. I'm just telling you the conversation I have with God. Maybe you're online, but, but the reality is this, is that your life's worth everything. Jesus Christ died for your life and there is hope and there's healing. We have some amazing counselors here at Westside that can help you out with that. And if you're like, man, I can't believe you're talking about that from the stage, you need to understand the world that we're living in right now because that's happening. And it's time for the church to rise up and talk about it, that it's okay to struggle in that way, but we got Jesus and we have hope and he is the God of the living, not the dead. That's why he says in 1 Peter verse, chapter 1, verse 3, he says, praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope, not a hope that's fading, but a living hope through what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living and in him we can have life because he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. And because he's the way, the truth, and the life, I want you to understand that you can have peace if you're here and you are lost. You can have peace if the lies seem louder than the truth. You can have peace even if life seems a little bit lifeless. Because Jesus ends and he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives you do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled and neither let them be afraid. Jesus doesn't give us a peace, he gives us his peace. And when he gives us his peace, what that doesn't mean is that you're not gonna have problems. But what it does mean is, is that you're going to have a peace that allows, you, that allows your problems not to have you. And I learned this in my situation with my daughter, Ella, I, I, was, I was terrified. My heart was broken because I wasn't prepared to lose her. And, and, and I think if I just got down to the root of it, the reality was is that my wife and I had, had miscarried our first child about a year or so before that. And, and for three weeks, I stood in a state of uncertainty. the morning of the echocardiogram, I just felt this nudge on my heart that it's time to come up and get into my presence. So I went to Jesus, and when I went to Jesus, I experienced peace. I got his peace. Peace is not found in the absence of problems. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. And because he lives, we can face tomorrow. And because he lives, the thing I wanted to come and tell the church of Jesus Christ is this message right here. It is time for us to stop living with uncertainty and it's time for us to get some peace. It's time for us to start living with the peace that surpasses all understanding and realize that it doesn't matter what's happening in our world because Jesus is on his throne and he isn't going anywhere. We can get peace today, so get you some peace today. And the reason why you can have peace is because Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. Would you pray with me? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask a couple of questions for you in, in the room, Speedway here, online, I've got something for you. But like, if you're here today and, and you just be real and you're like, Man, I've been, I've been living with this thing called uncertainty, and I, I need some, some peace. Would you raise your hand today? Would you, I, I, just, I wanna pray over you. If you need some peace in your life, I need some peace. See hands. If you're online, just type in peace. See your hands. Leave your hands up. I wanna pray for you. Jesus, I, I pray over my brothers and sisters, the people online, that are people at Speedway that have their hands raised right now. 
God, I just, I know you meet us in the point of our pain. Jesus, I know that you meet us where we are, not where we think we are. So Jesus, I just pray we would come to you. We would run to you. You are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. And I pray the peace that I got with this morning is the peace that we would experience today. You can put your hands down. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, let, let me just say this real quick. If you know Jesus, K-N-O-W, you know peace. Know Jesus, N-O, no peace. Some of you, the reason why you're not at peace with Jesus has everything to do with the fact that you don't have a relationship with him. And you need to lean into that truth. You can't try hard enough. You can't do enough good works for him. He literally is the way. And so you put all your faith into him. So if you're here today and you wanna give your heart and your life to Jesus, I wanna pray a prayer. This prayer doesn't save you, but this prayer confirms what God has done in you already. I believe that he's already experiencing peace. So you just say this in your heart or online, I'm giving my life to Jesus. So Jesus, I come to you. I admit to you today that I don't have a relationship with you. And because I don't have a relationship with you, I have no peace in my life. But Jesus, I believe that you came to this earth, that you died on a cross, and that three days later you came back to life. And now I confess that you are the Lord and Savior of my life. If you made that decision today, if you're online, just typed in the word saved. If you're here at Speedway Linux, I wanna encourage you to find someone and tell them about how Jesus has changed your life. Would you stand and would you worship with me this morning?